Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! <laughs> Welcome back, Screamers! Screamers of every size and shape, old and young, fresh and not so fresh. Welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 24. Oh, God, I can't believe I made that joke. Tonight, you're getting a double dose of crap. That's right, not one, but two crap shoots. First, I'm going to get lost in the maze. And I don't mean Mazzola corn goodness, I mean the slasher that's set in the cornfield maze thingy. And then, don't look up, because we're watching Don't Look Up, so don't look up! And finally, Jeepers Creepers, it's not in the leapus! I don't even know how to describe this movie, so I'm not going to. Instead, let's play a promo for a brand new podcast. Hi, I'm Zombie Hunter Tony, a bit of a modern-day renaissance man. In fact, I'm the author of Kings of the Dead. And I'm Coffin' Nail Neal of No Real Fame. Over at Wasteland Wanderers, we discuss all manner of things, from how to obtain and purify water, to what is safe to eat, and even a little discussion on firearms. You know, it was very common back in, uh, you know, the, the, the late Western days uh, to carry a rifle and a pistol that were chambered in the same caliber. You know, that way you didn't have to worry about... You know, which one is my 45 long colt round and which one's my 30-30? You know, you had something the same. And you see, while there may not be anything special about us, we do have a passion for survival and a keen interest to further our education. Zombies. Yeah, of course, we also like to discuss everyone's favorite shamblers. No, zombies at your 3 o'clock. Oh, shit. Wastelandwanderers.com. Just a couple of guys. Out to save the world. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where hard gets bent. It's fucking snowing here in New York again. Okay, and you know what bothers me? It wasn't a fucking blizzard. They were talking all week. Oh, you better go and stock up. You get a panic. You gotta get everything. The end of the world is coming. And okay, now I'm sure maybe you heard the last blizzard in New York City totally bungled it. Streets weren't plowed. Garbage still hasn't been picked up. It was a fucking nightmare. It continues to be a nightmare. And so this was even more retarded. There were like eight flakes on the ground last night. And they're out with their plows every 20 minutes. Like scraping up this like, you know, thin wafer of snow from the ground. Like, yeah, they're salting the road. Not even salting the road. They're putting pepper on the road for some reason. Overkill, overkill, overkill. And it was a whole big load of shit. And you know what? I was expecting to have my things canceled for today. But no, I have to go and do duties. <laughs> Gross. Um, what else is going on? Well, Mr. Brad went to the th- and I went to the theater the other night. We got to see a play on the Broadway called La Bette. And I know you all are like, who gives a shit? Well, the reason you should give a shit, because it starred not only David Hyde Pierce, you know, from Frazier, overly gay guy, won a Tony for curtains and everything, but, 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 it also had Joanna Lumley, Pat's, 
Patsy, Patsy Stone, Patsy Stone from AmpFab, you little bitch troll from hell. So the gay quotient was like, whoop, 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 up in the air, and it turned out the show was absolutely hilarious, but unfortunately, it's now closed. Like everything on Broadway right now. Boo-hoo, is this the Broadway cast? No, it's not. So let's talk about something else. Yeah, so during this whole blizzard, this first blizzard, I wound up watching a whole shit ton of movies, so I've got tons of stuff in the banks here. Uh, that I recorded along the way. I'm not going to dump them all on you at once. Because, you know, there might be slow times up ahead. I'm squirreling them away like nuts to a squirrel. And Mr. Brad just came in. Hi, Mr. Brad. Yes, I'm on the radio. Whoa. Yeah, he started singing Donna Summer. It wasn't me. You probably couldn't hear that. Uh, what else I want to talk about? Oh, well, as I said, uh, we were snowbound for a while. Um over the holidays, and uh, during the time, I got to watch a lot, a lot, a lot of movies. So, like I mentioned, I got tons of stuff stored up in the bank. But in, a, in addition to just watching movies, I got to do some reading, you know, like books. You know, like Lakewood Memorial by Robert R. Best and its sequel. Ashton Memorial, also by Robert R. Best. Well, I'm only halfway through of that one. I'm not going to be talking about that this week. I'll be talking about them really soon. I want to talk about them together. And there's lots to say. I might actually do another book segment next in the next couple of weeks for a movie called, uh, a book, rather, called Damon. Like Mailer Damon, not like Matt Damon, uh, by Daniel Suarez. So maybe if you want to play along, you want to pick that one up in the next month or so, I'll be reviewing that. Oh, and it's SAG screening season. You know, as a member of the Screen Actors Guild, during this season you get lots of free DVDs, and you get to go to the movies for free, because everybody wants you to vote for their Movie for the SAG Awards. And this is a wonderful time of year. So I just got to see Black Swan yesterday, and that was really, really cool. I realize I'm like the last kid on the block to see it, but I knew this was coming, and, you know, I'm cheap. And also, at these screenings, talking is not allowed. If you talk at one of these SAG screenings, they will lynch you. They will throw your ass out. They will beat your ass up. They will set your ass on fire. So I look forward to seeing things like this at these kind of screenings because I know I'm not going to have to get up and move four times because somebody's chatting on the phone behind me. However, I do have to move when the woman in front of me is seven feet tall. Literally, this woman sat down and was seven feet tall. Like, when she sat down, I thought she was sitting on the edge of her chair. Like, you know, the fold-down chair didn't fold down. She was saying, no, she wasn't. She was huge. She sat right in front of me, so I had to move. And then I got stuck behind a woman who was wearing a big fur hat that she was not going to take off. You know, she wasn't short, but her head was now three feet wide. And I'm like, ma'am, could you remove her hat? Remove your hat? She's like, no, it's chilly. I'm like, Fuck you! You're in a movie theater, not a fucking gulag, Anna Karenina. God! So I decided she didn't have anything under there, like no skull, it was just her brain, so she needed that to keep her brain from sliding out onto the floor, so I had to move a couple of times. But anyway, the movie's great. It's not for anybody. If you like Darren Darren Aronofsky, you will love it. I loved it. It was actually kind of normal for him, but I had a great time. It took a long time to avoid any conversations. About it, like people start talking about it and run away going, la, 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 and I'm glad I did. And also yesterday, I got to go to see a, a free screening of The King's Speech, which uh, Mr. Brad joined me for. And that is also an excellent movie. Also, wonderful, wonderful, funny, touching, powerful movie. And this was great because we got a Q&A afterwards with the director and a couple of the stars and the big star, Colin Firth. But what I want to talk about now is the guy at the Q&A. I hate these fucking things. It's great to see the stars... But the person who always moderates the Q&A is always an asshole. I mean, it's never the same person twice, but it's always some schlub who's like 
Chris Farley on Saturday Night Live. Hey, the part in the movie where you were acting and stuff, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, oh, they just ask the stupidest questions. And you're like, come on, come on, turn it over to the audience, turn it over to the audience. And inevitably, once they do, I find the same thing happens at horror conventions. Once they do, it's like they always seem to pick people with completely asshole questions. Waste of time questions. Like, huh, I really love the movie. Do you have a part for me in your next film? You know, because these are always all actors. And she's like, shut up and sit the fuck down. We only got five minutes for questions and we're wasting time with this crap. But this asshole took the cake. This first guy stood up, grabbed the mic out of the moderator's hand. He's like, uh, hey there. I just want to say, everyone, that this was an excellent, excellent movie. And I just wanted to say, my vote for the best actor for the Screen Actors Guild Award has been solidified by your performance, Colin Firth. You were amazing. And I also just wanted to say, a few months ago when I worked with you on that Helen Hunt movie, you were so nice to me. I thought we were going to be really snobby and everything, but you were so nice. I mean, here's Colin Firth, who's the star of the movie, and here's just little old me, who's like the smallest part in the world, and you're just so nice, and I so much appreciated that. On and on and on and on and on, and I'm sitting there with Mr. Brett going, that's not a question. This is not a question. This is masturbation. I'm sorry. This is a handy J. This is a reach around. This is what this is. It's a reach around. And... Why well, think it's yeah? So we just wanted to say to all the actors, like, what technique did you use to come up with your characters? Like, what? How did you act those scenes? Basically, was the question. And I'm like, okay, let's go. I hate that. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And that betting fun handled. It. Somebody always asks the stupid ass question. It's kind of saying like, gosh, how did you remember all those lines? Fuck you. And that betting handled as well. She's like, well, you know, that's really a personal question because a lot of times it's just what's working at the time. You know, you kind of go through your tricks and see what clicks and there's really not any way to describe it. And if I described you personally what I was thinking about during that scene, you would probably think it's stupid because it's not for you. It's for me. And maybe that's not making sense to any of you, but that was the most logical answer I've ever heard that question because normally the person that's asked just goes, um, um, uh, well, I read the script, and we rehearsed. Duh. So, sir, for wasting the entire Q&A time with your one stupid-ass question, you are the asshole of the... Well, Mr. Brad said universe, so asshole of the universe. Uh, you probably didn't hear from the, uh, the next room, but I'm going to make it the week, but hey, Mr. Brad has spoken. The trash heap has spoken. Yeah. Now, the other new thing I got to see uh, last week um, was another creepy puppet show. And this is called Baby Universe from the Waka Waka Company. And another thing sponsored by the Jim Henson Company. And it was fantastic. Although, I'm not sure if I'm going to talk about it here. Or, I'm going to do a special crossover segment with Mail Order Zombie. Because this was really more up Miss Bren's alley. Because it was not post-apocalyptic, but near-apocalyptic. And not just end of the world, end of the goddamn universe. And it was charming, and it was neat, and, um, well, the best thing about it, I'm going to tell you right now, was in the lobby beforehand, they had this remote control, robotic, wheelchair-bound version of Dr. Stephen Hawking, just around the whole lobby, and it was equipped with a camera and a microphone, and there was a dude in the corner who was typing things, and he'd be like, hello, are you ready to see this show? Want to go for cocktails afterwards? And it was fun and entertaining, and the thing was the show was delayed because there was snow that day. Surprise. So the stage manager came in, she's like, uh, we're missing three of our actors. We're supposed to start at two. 
and um, we're, we're going to hold off till 2.45. And if you want to leave, you can get a refund, or you need to reschedule for another show, please do. We completely apologize. And this guy in the audience lost his mind. He literally had this girl pinned up against the wall. He's like, how dare you? How dare you? If your show is supposed to start at 2, it's supposed to start at 2. Some of us have other things to, go, to do. This is inexcusable in professional theater. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. She's like, well, I'm sorry, sir. You can get a refund. She's like, I don't want a refund. I want to see a show. You go and start the goddamn show right now. Well, I, hello, the puppeteers aren't here. If you'd just like to go look at puppets on the stage, sir, I suppose you can go do that. It's a poor girl. You know, she calms him down, and he leaves. And now 30 seconds later, he comes storming back in and is now screaming it across the whole room. Oh, you are inexcusable. You're an embarrassment of a professional company. I spit on you, and I spit on Dr. Stephen Hawking, and I hope you all die. You better believe I'm going to get a refund, and that box office attendant is going to get an earful as well. And I, I, I had to follow, and I really should have gotten my camera out and, follow, and taken a picture of it, because he, of course, ripped his ear, ripped the guy's... Uh, the box office guy's ear off. And it turned out he was there on a fucking comp ticket. Shut the fuck up, sir. You, sir, are the twin asshole of the universe. Yay! Boo! I mean, boo! Two, two, two assholes in one week. God damn it. However, what came out of this? What came out of this? Dr. Stephen Hawking, you're the scream queen of the week. I'm sorry that you got lost in the shuffle here. But you're the smartest man in the universe. You don't need all the applause. You don't need all the recognition, you don't need all the pontification, and you certainly don't need the fucking tiara because you're not getting it! Why don't you make one of your Nobel Prizes into a tiara and wheel around in that bitch ass because you ain't getting this. Also, it turns out Dr. Hawking is not the only winner this week. See, not everybody's an asshole. Uh, we also have the winner of the Scream Queens retweet contest that I had going when I was going for the podcast award. Those of you who are following me on Twitter know that uh, if you retweeted my message, you might win a copy of Peaches Christ's Slasher Opus, All About Evil. And the winner has been announced. The winner has received her DVD. And the winner is the lovely, the fabulous Drusilla Bloom. Round of applause. Round of applause. And based on what she's been tweeting on the Twitter, she likes it. She really likes it. And if you'd like your own copy of All About Evil, I would head on over to PeachesChrist.com and get your DVD there. And be sure to tell them I sent you. I'm trying to make friends with Peaches because she's nice and nasty. Oh, the other thing I want to address, um, there was some concern. I got some emails from, from, or rather had some chats with people online that they're like, oh, it was really nice that, you know, you and Mr. Brad got to meet each other's family for the first time. I thought you guys were together longer than that. We have been together longer than that. Okay, this past Thanksgiving, we celebrated five years. We've been together five years, which I think officially makes us lesbians. And um, yeah, I think it was Tom from the Ramble Redhead show. He's like, yeah, you're about three cats away from becoming a pair of lesbians. And I'm like, oh my God, we have two. Ramble Redhead podcast, check it out. It's a nice, friendly, warm gay show. Unlike me, spitting vitriol and bitchery 24-7. No, 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 no. I, we'd both met the families before. This is my first time spending a, an extended period of time with his family. And he's met individual members of my family throughout time. But this was hit everybody en masse. And he discovered that even though my, I'm very different from my family, you know, they're all CPAs and I can't add. We have very difficult, difficult political standings. Underneath it all, we are cut from the same thoroughly insane cloth. Ah! <laughs> I'm surprised he lived. Now I have to be really quiet for this part. 
because there were really hilarious stories about Brad meeting my parents. But he's come home now, and he'll be able to hear me tell you about them. So keep listening to this space. Hopefully, in the next week or two, you're going to find out all the hilarious, embarrassing things that happened when Brad met my clan. Shh. Oh, and I touched on Spider-Man a little bit ago. Yeah, everybody knows everything about Spider-Man. Blah, 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 blah. I haven't seen it yet. I don't particularly want to see it. No, the only reason I want to see it is the reason anybody wants to see it. I want to see somebody get killed. Come on. No, everybody fess up. The only reason people are lining up in droves is on the off chance that somebody's going to get their head ripped off by a piece of scenery. It's like the Coliseum now. It's like hockey fights. The only reason I used to go to hockey was to see people fight. I admit it. No, I know some people who have seen it. And actually, I had an opportunity. Somebody offered me tickets, and I'm like, oh, great. How much are they? They're like, oh, $260. I'm like, fuck you for a show that's not finished yet? I don't think so. My friend Steven saw it the other night, and he's just he was all up on his operatic. You know, he's a Broadway star. He's been in, he had major roles in Phantom of the Opera and in Sunset Boulevard when it was on Broadway. And he was up on his, I was in a Tony Award winning show. I was like, I thought it was despicable and an abomination. I'm like, yeah, but anybody get their head cut off? He's like, no, I was very disappointed. I said, see, see, see. Oh, and I don't know if you out of towners know this, but Spider-Man the Musical apparently isn't even about Spider-Man. It's got this weird four kid Greek chorus who are telling each other stories about Spider-Man. So it's not like an actual one through line of a story. It's like kind of Spider-Man vignettes and it's really about these kids. And who gives a fuck? Just close already! God! But there's another flop in town that nobody's talking about. Off-Broadway, they were doing a star-studded version of Dracula. And I'm not sure if it was the same version that I saw when I was a kid that had Frank Langella and was directed by Edward Gorey, which was fabulous. But it's really not the point because it, it never, it's been can it's been canceled? Is that the right word? Not canceled. It's closed after four performances. Now, this was originally supposed to star Thora Birch, you know, from uh, American Beauty and, and The Hole and a bunch of other things. And it had George Hearn in it, who was one of the great Sweeney Todds and was in Sunset Boulevard as well, as I mentioned uh, earlier. But apparently, this was a huge debacle. She got fired like two days before it opened for unknown reason. But then I was reading this article about it today. Oh, my God. The producers apparently didn't pay anybody. So there's one performance... The costumer said, yeah, you haven't paid me. I'm taking my costumes. So the stage manager tells everyone, okay, you're performing in your street clothes. And then she's like, you know what? I feel bad. I came back with everybody's costumes except Dracula. You can have the cape. But apparently as the show went on, like the, con the fights continued. All of a sudden the fight choreographer is like, I haven't been paid. You guys can't use any of my fight choreography because it's my international, uh, my international, my intellectual property. So there can be no stage fighting and Dracula can't get staked at the end. So now I'm thinking, okay, apparently during the intermission at this performance, they're trying to figure out how to, how do you kill Dracula at the end of a show without staking him? And the customer came back and took her cape, and they're like, oh, by the way, state that the set designer's like, I'm taking the coffin. So everybody's in street clothes but Dracula, who now has no coffin, no cape, but he has no stake. They can't have any violence. So I guess they have to kill him with harsh language. Part of me wishes I had seen that. But I think in the audience, you would have no idea what was going on. Somebody in the article uh, said it was attuned to noises off. If that makes any sense to you, you know what I'm talking about. If not, fuck off. Deal with it. So since I promised I would talk about my concert that we had back in December, the Sing Your Brass Off concert with the New York City Game Men's Chorus, it's finally time to talk about it, with, since I actually have a voice and time to do so. Um... Yeah, it was a huge success. Both shows went extremely well. Uh, very well attended. Not sold out, but uh, personally, I thought the tickets were overpriced. But yeah, it's just my opinion. Now, as you know, I was suffering laryngitis that whole week 
leading up into it, almost total. And the day before, I was actually quite depressed. I was looking at Mr. Brad, and I was kind of signing to him, there's no way this is coming back. I sound even worse than I did before. But uh, there's this thing that happens in performances, especially the theater. I don't know how much it happens in film, but things tend to happen because they have to. Now, all these impossible things that are not going that could not possibly be achieved in the time that they're going to be achieved, things that are not going to be right, you know, up until the last minute, at, when it gets down to the wire and the show curtain goes up, for some reason, things just happen right correctly because they have to. Except, of course, if you're Spider-Man, but I'm not even opening that kettle of worms. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, that morning, I went in, prepared to lip-sync the whole concert, like my friend Tara used to do in concert in uh, college. Hi, Tara. And, um... As we're warming up, I'm like, well, you know, you can kind of... There are techniques to sing over some vocal abilities. You know, you put stuff up in your nose so the resonance not in your throat and you at least get something. And as I was doing that, all of a sudden things started to loosen. And by the time the show began, I sounded like me. Now, we had two shows that day back-to-back. And by the second show, it started to teeter towards the end. But still, I got through. And then immediately after, did not speak for another four days. Not even the Har- Harvey Firestein, I mean... Nothing. Now, I told you there were interesting stories about the concert, and that was only one of them, and I don't know how interesting that was, but this this one's a little more personal and a little more revealing. So I, I actually sang with the chorus before. I sang with them back in 2005, and that was a really rough year for me because in 2004, I came down with this neurological problem. It wasn't just a problem. It, basically, my brain was rapidly turning to pudding. You know, it started off getting the shakes and and forgetfulness, and by the time December 2004 rolled around, I was hospitalized for months and not getting any better. Like, I lost control of motor functions, I couldn't walk properly, eventually I couldn't walk at all, I couldn't speak, and when I say this, I don't mean to say that I was paralyzed or anything, it was something else. It was like there was a disconnect in my synapses or something, because part of my brain was still me and still very functional, but most of it was not, and it would be like my brain would be telling my hand to do something, but the message wasn't going from hand, from brain to hand or brain to mouth or whatever. Or things I was saying, or thought I was saying, was not actually what I was saying. Things that I thought I heard was not actually what I was hearing. It was weird. It was somebody, I remember asking somebody for a sweater once in the hospital when I was cold. And they brought me a pillow. Because that's what I actually said. That's, that's weird. That, it was weird. And eventually there's a good two-month period that I have no memory of whatsoever. I wasn't in a coma or anything. I just was jello and they told me they told my family rather that I was not going to make it that I was not not only was I not going to get better I was not going to survive all of a sudden everything turned around nobody really knows exactly how that happened like I said I was gone for a month mentally I don't remember apparently one morning I got up thinking it was the next day you know I went to bed one day in December woke up in the end of January thinking it was the next day uh, and was cold so I got on the phone I called my mother and asked her bring me a blanket, and she almost had a heart attack because it was the first time I'd spoken coherently in, in, in months, and I'm like, what are you talking about? What's going on? I thought everybody was kidding me, but no. So 2005 was a lot of me getting somewhat back to myself, you know, um, learning how to walk again, learning how to speak properly, getting over a lot of hurdles, and, you know, fitting back into what was, you know, if I could fit back into my life. And one of the things I did was when the opportunity came up, I joined the chorus because I was not sure if I was going to be able to perform at all ever. I don't know if I was going to be able to handle doing a theatrical show, if I was going to remember lines or if I I could have the stamina. So I figured the chorus would be a safe place for me 
to try it out. You know, try it out with the rehearsals. If I can't do it, it's easy enough to back out. You know, there's 240 other people up there. No one's going to miss me. Can I remember all these, you know, lyrics, you know, for a three-hour concert? Can I actually stand for three hours for a concert? So, oddly enough, that concert was at Carnegie Hall, and it was scheduled to the day, one year to the day, when they told my parents I was not going to survive. Yet a year later, I'm standing there on Carnegie Hall, not 100% myself yet, but I had fucking solos. I was soloing at Carnegie Hall. And my parents were not behind me at all. They didn't come to the concert. And actually, when I got out of the concert, they had left messages on my voicemail that had me in tears. I thought they were hateful at the time and cruel. And they weren't seeing the achievement that I had done. They put a wall between us for a very long time. So, I mean, it's come down over time. But I was rehearsing for this show. And I finally, at some point during rehearsal, I said, my parents should see this. I should invite them. And I asked Mr. Brad, I'm like, should I, should I, should I? He's like, just do it. So I did. And they said yes. And then I called them back. I said, you do know it's with the gay men's chorus, right? And they said, of course we know it's with the gay men's chorus. And I said, okay, just checking. I don't want to have any tension. coming all. But they came. And they had a wonderful time. And to, to be able to look out and not only see them there, but to see them beaming. And my dad singing along during the sing-along portions was amazing. Another Christmas miracle. One, my voice, B, my parents, and C, Mr. Brad made it through the show without farting and disturbing anyone because that's a big feat for him. That was his Christmas gift to me. He's going to kick my ass for saying that. But anyway, thank you so much for your support. I might be throwing some snippets of the concert into the show because fuck you is my show. Not a lot. I don't want to bore you to death, but anyway... That is my Christmas story with the concert. So thank you all for your support. I hope some of you will be able to make it next year. And um, be thankful for your health. You know what? I've been droning on for a really long time. Isn't it about time to start talking about some movies? Because this is a super stuffed episode. There's something really dirty to be said about that. I'm not just going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. So let's play some goddamn music and start this goddamn party. Goddamn Ladies and gentlemen, scream queens and princesses, a little bit of the New York City Gay Men's Chorus with Liz Calloway from the Sydney Brass Hot but mostly starring you.
Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crap shoot. <laughs> Paul. 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 Now, for you seasoned listeners out there, you'll know that the crapshoot is when I dive headfirst into the vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases in search for that diamond in the shit pile. Yeah, I just watched this movie. Uh, You see, Mr. Brad needs some help uh, sorting his tax papers, and he's got tons of them, so it was really boring and tedious. I just wanted to have something simple on in the background that I didn't really have to watch, so... I picked this movie called The Maze, which just became available on Netflix Instant Watch because it looked like a straight-up slasher movie, and you don't need a lot of mind power to watch those, but you do need a little bit of mind power to listen to the trailer. So turn it on, yo. And that's a true story. Well, there are crazy people like that out there. I mean, can you imagine walking out of breakfast and suddenly getting stabbed by some random sociopath? This is the biggest corn maze in the county. Sometimes it takes people hours to get through. Oh, it's close, guys. Thank you, we know. (laughs) Colin, what are you doing? Seeing a corn maze. Did you hear that? Stop, you're being paranoid. Oh, that's just creepy. It'll be more fun if we split up. Guys, keep it down. Okay, so the maze is the story of these five, well, youngish people. I don't know how young they're supposed to be because they're not that young, but they act young. So whatever, not the point. They're 20-somethings, pretending to be teenagers, who are going on a road trip to see this, the largest corn maze in the county. Now, unfortunately, they get there too late. It's closed for the evening, but they decide, hey, it's just a corn maze. Let's go in and check it out anyway. And surprise, 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 they get picked off one by one. Nothing new here for a while. Right off the bat, I want to say something. This is not a good movie. There's a lot wrong with the movie, but for every two things wrong with the movie, there's one thing that's really, really working well. So this is why I decided to talk about it. One of the things that's not working for it, for this whole slasher part, it's not much of a slasher. There's absolutely no character development. It goes right into the slashing, and the slashing is not is bloodless. Completely. And it's not even that they're not showing it. It's sometimes somebody gets their throat slit, and there's no blood. I thought, okay, for budget limitations, it's kind of odd. It's not that much to get a bottle of Karo syrup, but okay. So if you're looking for it for the gore, you're not going to get it. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of suspense either, and you don't get... I don't know, so this whole slasher 
section of it is not up to snuff. What kept me watching it, though, was that there's a lot of chemistry, you know, crackling between the two leads, you know, the survivor girl and her not-boyfriend, possibly ex-boyfriend. They don't really get into the backstory, but clearly they have some sort of a history. But the chemistry between them is just alive, and I like them both. The actors are both strong. The others are not. So every time they were on screen, I'm like, hey, this is a great movie. And then there's the killer. There's no motive ever given for this guy at all. The guy just is already there. They show up and he kills them, and it's okay. No, I just said Black Christmas, that worked for me, but it's not working at all here because there's no personality for the killer at all. And here's the thing. He's teeny tiny. He's very small. He almost looks like a kid, like a 12-year-old running around in a red hooded uh, jacket. He kind of looks like they hired one of the Newell brothers from Bloody Good Hard to play the killer. He's that small. So he's not an imposing figure. What he does have going for him, he's fucking fast. I mean, when this kid takes off running, he's like, bing, the flash. And they, they didn't use speed up photography or anything. This guy was a, clearly a runner, and that was kind of neat. But he's really small. Now, I'm all for non-traditional villains. Now, one of the things I liked about the movie Collect The Collector was that the guy was a, was a short, skinny guy. Being a short, skinny guy, I, I, I appreciated that. But this guy was, I don't know. It was not a commanding presence, usually. However, the cinematographer here, if he's not experienced, he knows what he's doing. He's learned his craft well. There's some shots in here that are really well composed. And a lot of the shots in the lighting make this guy look a lot more intimidating than he should, particularly in tight close-ups. His stillness is spooky. When he's very still, he's spooky. Once he starts moving and you see how small he is, it kind of fades. But there's some great shots in here. And all in all, like I said, there was... Be bad thing, good thing, bad thing, good thing. Here's a bad thing. This other girl in it, this is the secondary girl, the girl. She's wearing glasses. So they get separated because they're playing tag in the corn maze. You know, it's reasonable. And she gets separated, and she drops her glasses. And she's feeling around on the ground. You know, the two stitches in front of her, and she can't find them. And I'm like, oh, gosh, she's like Velma from Scooby-Doo. The killer shows up. She doesn't realize it's not one of her friends. She's like, oh, can you help me find my glasses? I can't find my glasses. I can't see anything without my glasses. And I'm like, oh my God, that's verbatim, Velma. I don't know if that was an in-joke or not, but if it was an in-joke, there's no other comedy in this at all or any other references. It wasn't that kind of movie, so it just felt dumb. It felt like you just ripped off Scooby-Doo, not like you tipped a hat to Scooby-Doo. Anyway, we get treated to a series of non-exciting kills, and there's a showdown, which is actually okay, and the, the corn maze gets burned down. Survivor Girl comes out, she gets picked up by the cops, and she tells them, oh, I killed him, I killed him, and they take her away. And the movie's not ending. Like, why isn't the movie ending? And just then, Netflix had to change the, um, the bandwidth, you know, so it had to stop for a second, and all of a sudden I saw the running time. There was 40 minutes left of the movie. I'm like, that can't be right. It's over. We had the final battle. It's done. The movie's not over. The movie has a complete shift at the halfway point. All of a sudden, it goes from slasher movie to suspense thriller, and the second half is actually pretty fun. There's some twists in there. Most of them are pretty obvious, but it didn't hurt it at all because it was well done. So I'm not going to spoil them. I don't know what to rate this movie because there were huge problems of people are going to hate this movie because nothing, you know, for a horror fan, this is crap. However, what I, what I thought was odd, this movie has an R rating. There's nothing R-rated about this movie at all. There's no language, there's no sex, there's no drugs, there's somebody lights a cigarette at once, but at one point, but that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Had this been a PG-13 or even a PG movie, you could have gotten a decent audience for this. For a PG-13 movie, this would have been okay. 
Not great, but better than fucking Prom Night remakes or things like that. But I can't figure out why it's rated R. Clearly, they didn't pay off the right people. I saw this movie. This film has not yet been rated. I know what goes on. And I think it's a shame because, like I said, there's enough here to make me think that this guy's second feature is going to be great. Or at least a huge improvement, a step towards great. So I'm going to keep an eye on Mr. Steve Schmimick or whatever the hell his name was. Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on a guy whose name I can't even remember. Ha! That's hilarious. The other thing I thought was great about this movie, it had a full score. You know, it wasn't like a Casio keyboard. They had, uh, they had strings. They had brass. They had a whole orchestra going on there for the music because so the music is fantastic. Which brings me back to my dilemma. I don't know what to rate this movie. I'm going to give it a lenient not recommend. I don't know if that makes any sense. I, I can't... I feel like if I give it even the slightest recommend, people are going to hunt me down and shoot me. However, I feel like it, it has enough going... I need to think up a new rating, is what I'm saying. Proceed with caution. Let's go with that. Step wisely. Don't step... <laughs> There's poop to be stepped in, but you might you might get across safely. I don't know what else to say. The maze. Our people call it maze. It was upon a llama's night when corn rigs are bonny. Beneath the moon's unclouded light, I held a while to Annie. The time went by with careless heed till tween the late and early. With small persuasion she agreed to see me through the barley. Corn rigs and barley rigs and corn rigs are bonny. I'll not forget that happy night among the rigs with Annie. Hold on to your pampers, bitch asses. It's time for the crap shoot. <laughs> Paul? 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 Oh my god, can you believe it? It's another edition of the crap shoot. I'm taking a look at a film called Don't Look Up. Now, apparently, this is a remake of a, a Japanese film called Joyu Ryu. No, I didn't know this when I watched it. It probably would have helped to have known that. Although I did know it was directed by Fruit Chan, who brought us the uh, Asian short film Dumplings, which is pretty gross. And it was from the creator of A Ring, The Ring. But I didn't know it was based on anything. I didn't know it was a remake. You know what? Let's just listen to the trailer. You know what? But before I do, let me tell you what this... No, forget it. Let's just listen to the trailer. Am I confusing you? Yeah, just get ready. Just sit back. Hold on. It's going to get... Shut up. Listen to the trailer. Unfounded belief that I have extrasensory abilities. You see things such as. There are times when I see things I really don't want to see. I exhibit eccentric behavior. It's all up here, Marcus. People probably died here. 
my subconscious pieces the event back together. I want you to remember that it's just in your head. What do you see here? Who are you? They cry no more. He will give us whatever we desire. You've never actually spoken to any of these apparitions, have you? Stay focused. I see it. Hear it. Feel it. Like I'm there. Someone is here. I chose you. I want my girl. I will have her. notice that the trailer didn't really tell you at all what the movie was about yeah how about that okay now the movie according to the netflix description i'm gonna have to go by that it says uh while while shooting a remake of a movie on location in transylvania a film crew discovers age-old footage of a woman being murdered on camera okay that's completely not true but anyway let's continue but by unearthing this curious finding the group unwittingly kicks off a chain of tragic supernatural events Henry Thomas and Kevin Corrigan co-star. I should have known better when Eli Roth is in your film. Granted, he's in it for approximately eight seconds, but it's the longest eight seconds of awfulness ever. And he's wearing one of those like weird like Hitler mustaches, which on Eli Roth just looks odd. And which, never mind. Okay, first of all, they don't find any footage of a woman being murdered on camera. No, there's one photo still that they have when they... Okay, this movie is so... Ah! Ah! ah convoluted, incomprehensible piece of shit now as you know i record things out of sequence and i know perfectly well that the night of the living podcast crew has this on schedule to review for their upcoming uh straight to video uh, straight to dvd russian roulette segment and he's going to be reviewing it and right now i don't know what he's going to say by the time you listen to this that episode will probably have aired but there's a chance that he might like it he might tell you to go watch it so therefore i don't want to normally normally i would not step on their on their turf you know they're good people they're my friends they got me into this whole business in the first place and i don't want to be stealing stuff from them or you know stepping on anybody's toes but i'm just trying to save you from watching a huge piece of shit i love andy but he's untrustworthy the only way that i could sleep easy knowing you're not watching this movie is for me to tell you right now not wait or rely on anyone else's opinion, because mine's the only one that matters anyway. So anyway, let's move along. Now, I realize the Japanese cinema is works on a different aesthetic, and, and sometimes to Western audiences, it's harder to follow. Fuck that, I'm pretty good at that. Probably the Japanese original is good. This makes no sense that I can figure whatsoever. Not at all. I can't even tell you what happens. But I can tell you this, not one, but two exploding vaginas. 
Now, you're probably sitting there like Mr. Brad. Mr. Brad says to me, he's like, I think you're just seeing them where you want to see them. And I said, no, they're in the trailer. Look at the trailer. He goes, oh, no, those are exploding vaginas. Yeah, a woman spontaneously gives birth. Not only does she just spontaneously give birth, but the baby blows out of her hooch, slides on the stone floor all the way across the room, and <laughs> splats into the wall 12 feet away. And then later on, the ghost of that woman shows up, and now she's only got the baby half out of her. So she's walking at the guy, and the baby's just swinging from between her legs. Just swinging. You got a half exploder vagina, so it's one and a half. But I've decided I'm taking the Brother D route. You know, on Mail Order Zombie, there's no such thing as half a headshot. There's no such thing as half an exploding vagina. Either you did it or you didn't, and they did it. Aside from an incomprehensible plot, even the performances here are bad. Henry Thomas is in this, you know, from E.T., and he's a good actor, and he was just, I don't know what he was doing. It looked like he didn't have, any, it looked like people didn't have any direction, or perhaps weren't understanding the direction. I don't know how much English this guy speaks. The lead guy, Rashad Strick, is awful. He plays the director of this film who has supernatural visions or something, and his mouth is open constantly. He's got the same look at his face the whole movie, looking like he's passing a kidney stone with his mouth wide open. Now, for some reason in this film, all the supernatural stuff is, is, is um, accompanied by swarms of thousands of CGI flies or something, or the bees. I don't know what they are. They're some kind of bug. You know, they're just CGI black blobs flying around. However, he's always in swarms of them with his mouth hanging wide open. Like, close your mouth, they're in a swarm of bugs. It's gross. I just thought about Sister Mary Monkeyface back in first grade. She would always be like, your mouth's open, are you catching flies? I'm a guess this man is catching flies. Now, I don't know how much I can pass off on like language barriers and, and, and culture differences, but there's a lot of things in the script that don't ring right either, like dialogue-wise. Like early on, some guy's like, says the director, you know, who, who apparently has been bothering his sister. He's like, listen, listen, you can never come back here again because once you get back, once you go away to Romania, I'm changing our address. You'll never find us again because I'm changing our address, which is an odd way to say that we're moving. You wouldn't say that. And I thought maybe all the nonsense would get tied up at the end and it would all make sense. No, it made even less sense when it was over than it did when it started. And I don't even know why it's called Don't Look Up. Don't look up because a fetus is going to blow up in your face. I don't know. Don't, wa don't watch this. How about that? Let's agree on that. Don't watch this. talking about how over the Halloween week Turner Classic Movies was just showing boodles and boodles of old movies back to back to back to back a lot of which I've seen a lot of which were favorites and a lot of which I hadn't seen before and that last category pertains to the following movie that we are about to discuss a movie called Night of the Lepus or possibly Lepus they pronounce it both ways in the movie I'm pronouncing it Lepus deal with it now I heard about this movie I'd read about this movie. This movie's legendary in its own right. And it was finally time for me to sit down to see it. And for those of you who don't know what it's about, well, you're about to find out. But not until we listen to the trailer. Okay? 
No, no, actually, no, not okay. It's not okay to wait. It's about bunnies. It's about giant killer bunnies. Okay, this is coming off the end of the 60s, so everything was about giant everything, giant tarantulas, giant ants, giant gila monsters, everything. Somebody decided to do a movie about killer rabbits. Keep that in mind while we listen to the trailer. Okay. Happened that night science made his greatest mistake. Bunnies? What? Unknown terror was born that night. Uh, I told you already, it's bunnies. Little happy bunnies. Give me happy What is the terrifying mutant? Mutant? That strikes from behind the shroud of night. Oh, no, it's, it's just bunnies. It's okay. Everything's gonna be that fine. Night. It's just... Okay. That night of the Lepus. Bunnies. A night of total terror. More shattering than your strangest nightmare. Really? What really? caused the unnatural death, destruction, and panic? That night of the Lepus. Janet Lee. Bunnies. Stuart Whitman. Bunny rabbits. Rory Calhoun. Ooh, a Rory Calhoun. And bunnies. And Paul Fix. Night of the Leaves. Kill one. And thousands take their place. What devil creatures growing weight in size every day are hidden behind the eyes of horror? What can stop them? They're bunnies. Use carrots. Of the Leaves. Good lord. I realize it was difficult to follow the trailer along, but did you notice? That at no point anywhere do they tell you that, uh, yeah, you're going to shell down your money to uh, go see some killer bunny rabbits. But they do try to make it sound really scary. What? Unknown. Oh, it's just, it's just as stupid as it sounds. But you know what? I went in with an open mind. Because you know what? The cast is top-notch. They're all A-listers. You know, you got Janet Lee, of course. We all know Janet Lee. This guy, Stuart Whitman, who plays her scientist doctor husband. He was in everything. He's got a movie list. Credits that are going on forever. He's got three Oscar nominations, so A-lister. Rory Calhoun. I really don't know what Rory Calhoun does, but I know that Mr. Smithers was, seems to be very fond of Rory Calhoun. Oh, look at you standing up on your hind legs. Just look a little Rory Calhoun. That's what I always think of when I hear about Rory Calhoun. And I figured, okay, I know people can be really bitchy about things. Maybe it's not that bad. And it wasn't for a while. I have to say at the beginning... They were talking about how in Australia and some other places there have been swarms of rabbits that have caused massive destruction. And they showed them. And they were rather alarming. And it made sense because, you know, rabbits, they're just rodents. You know, they're big fluffy rats. And a swarm of anything is going to be bad. But, you know, these rabbits were doing some major damage. You know, you saw the farmers just trying to stave off these waves of little bunnies just plowing over everything, ripping up all the fields, eating what they don't trample, and just massive, massive destruction. So I said, okay, that wasn't so bad. Maybe there's hope for this. So anyway, Rory Calhoun is his farmer, and he's having rabbit problems. So he hires these scientists to come in, Stuart Whitman and, and Janet Lee, to help deal with the problem. Because I forget what they do, but they're trying to find some non-toxic way to kill the bodies. Because, you know, it's we're hippies. We're coming off the hippie era. 
and they're trying to do something. They're trying to, I forget exactly. They're injecting them with serum to try to, I think, interrupt their reproductive cycle so that they'll die out that way. Of course, it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because of their stupid-ass little daughter. She comes bippity-bopping into the lab. Oh, Daddy, look at the bunnies. Can I keep one? Well, I suppose you can have one from the control group. What's a control group? Oh, well, the control group was some of the rabbits that I haven't put the experimental serum into. Okay, I like this one. No, honey, that's one from the other group. Yeah, so when he's not looking, this girl switches out the bunny she wants with a bunny from the control group. Just switches the cages, so, whoa, the bunny I like is in the control group now, daddy. So she takes home the toxic bunny. She doesn't get, like, two feet with it from it. One wins from other kid, the farmer's son, Rory Calhoun's son or grandson or something, like, grabs it and is like, ah, you shouldn't keep bunnies. Bunnies should be free, and lets the bunny go. So you know what? It's the kid's fault. Both of the kids who don't get eaten, the kids. Anyway, almost immediately, somehow, this little bunny doesn't just start a swarm, but now all of a sudden we've got giant bunnies the size of wolves. It would have been fine had it just been a swarm like they showed at the beginning. That was actually kind of scary. Making the bunnies big just was stupid. Stupid, 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 stupid. I don't care how big you make the bunnies. I don't care how many close-ups of their little fangs you're going to show. I don't care how small you make the miniature sets around them to make it look like they're stomping along everything. Bunnies aren't scary! Especially not these bunnies. The bunnies they showed at the beginning, they were like field bunnies. You know, they were lean and mean looking and they were hungry and crazy. These are like fat pet bunnies that you get in the pet store. I've never seen these bunnies hopping around outside. You know, they were, they were, they were the hazel raw rabbits versus the, the, I don't know, fat ass store rabbits. That was a literary reference if you didn't know. I love Watership Down. You know what? Those bunnies were scarier than the bunnies in this movie. General Wormwort would kick your ass and eat your eyes, man. And really, I don't even know what happened with the plot after that, because honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I just, every time the bunnies came on screen, I'm like, that's just sad. These bunnies were so fat and lazy looking. It looked like they were forcing them to hop at all. It wasn't like they were running around like the bunnies at the beginning, frantically looking for food. Now they're just like... Bleh, 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 bleh. It was the Cadbury bunnies. Thanks, Easter Bunny. Bok, bok. I realized today you could have done something to them with makeup or CGI or made them more hideous looking, but they were just cute, fluffy bunnies, only big, which only makes them cuter. Actually, these bunnies weren't even cute. They were just fat and gross looking. Now sit down. We're going to have a fireside chat. Now, this story is not mine. This is a story from Mr. Bradford here, and it would be wonderful if you could come in and told it, but he's busy doing stuff, and um, so it'll just you'll just have to deal with me. Now... You know, if you've been listening, that I spent the weekend with him and his family over Christmas. Him, his parents, and his sister, Leslie. Evidently, when they were younger, they had one of those grade school teachers that kept animals in the classroom, like hamsters and stuff. And over the summer, they, she would give them to some student to take home and take care of. Now, one year, he offered, she offered um, Brad the, the, the hamster, and he freaked out because he... he, he, he he apparently used to be scared of the habit trail commercials. He was always worried that the hamsters were going to get stuck in those tubes and explode or something. I, I really don't know. I wish Richard Gere had had the same reaction to those commercials. But, you know. but I'm not talking about the rabbits. Leslie got the chance to bring home the rabbit. And she was all excited. Oh, I got to take home a rabbit. I got to take home a rabbit. And apparently the rabbit lasted about 10 minutes in the house because she opened up the cage to show everybody. And the rabbit slowly does like 
three hops out of the cage, and every hop, it pooped. Hop, poop, hop, poop, hop, poop, hop, poop. Apparently, this rabbit could not hop without pooping. And it hopped across the kitchen, left the line of poop the whole way. Poop, 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 poop. And Leslie just said, oh, well, he can't stay here at all. So the rabbit went back. That's what these rabbits look like. They look like they were hopping and pooping across the desert here. They were not scary. Okay, so you have these giant, not scary bunnies, I don't know, cuddling people to death. And so, I forget who it was. It might have been the sheriff. It might have been Rory Calhoun. It might have been DeForest Kelly from Star Trek. I don't recall who actually came up with this idea. It doesn't really matter because it was so stupid. And really, who can remember anything but the fucking bunnies anyway? Somebody says, well, why don't we just build a great big fence about 12 feet high and it could run the whole end of the county? That ought to keep them out. And I'm like, wow. The strategy for this movie to deal with the giant bunny problem is the exact same strategy that Sarah Palin wants to do with the Mexicans. Wow. This film is so ahead of its time. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Okay, but even in the movie, they go, no, that's never going to work. Exactly, Ms. Palin. It isn't going to work with the bunnies. It's not going to work with the legal immigrants. So shut up! That's what I'm saying. I just love the tagline of the poster that I'm looking at. How many eyes does horror have? How many times will terror strike? I don't know, because neither is contained in this movie. What is contained in this movie is one of the best, worst lines of dialogue ever in the history of the world. Now, I must apologize. I am reading this right off of IMDb because I want to make sure that I get this quote exactly right. Because it was so moving to me that I had to turn off the film for about three minutes until I could breathe again. The bunnies are, the rabbits are stampeding across the desert. You know, they've made their way through this town. They killed everybody in the town. But now they're heading for a drive-in. It's showing a movie. And and the sheriff goes driving up to the drive-in as, as you do at a drive-in, gets on his bullhorn, and he says, Attention! Attention, ladies and gentlemen! Attention! There is a herd of killer rabbits heading this way, and we desperately need your help. There is a herd of killer rabbits heading this way. And all the people in the, in the, in the drive-in are like, Oh my God, killer rabbits! Oh my God, a herd of killer... Really? Really? I mean, I don't know what my reaction would have been. Here comes death hippity-hopping down the trail. It's coming at me. Oh, no. They should have taken that left turn at Albuquerque. And eventually, they used the people at the, at the drive-in. I don't even understand what happened. They used their headlights and the honking, and it scared the rabbits onto the train tracks, which were super electrified, and they barbecued all the bunnies. And, of course, I'm watching it going, Oh, they're killing the bunnies! They're so cute and hoppy! And they're, now they must be really pooping. But just... So, hey, Sarah Palin, I guess if this whole Mexican wall thing doesn't work out, you could just get a whole bunch of people to turn on their headlights on the Mexicans and, like, drive them onto the train tracks and barbecue them. Fuck you! Wow, I don't know what anybody was thinking when this... When, when, who pitched this to who? Who was fucking who? How high were they? Seriously, on what planet was this going to be a scary movie? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe had they taken not the giant rat, it might have been something like the Bee Swarm movies and, and stuff like that. Okay, oh, sorry, sorry, a little bit of trivia that just caught my eye. Sorry, I hate reading things off of IMDb, but did you know posters for the film didn't feature any rabbits? Marketers feared that audiences wouldn't take the film seriously if they found out about the giant killer rabbits too quickly. Really? Do you think? Marketing experts. College degrees, ladies and gentlemen. Probably got paid 
tens of thousands of dollars to figure out that bunnies weren't scary. However, nobody passed that on to the producer, the director, the writer, or anybody else involved in the film. Tragic. 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 But you know what? This is a pisser. I, in its own right, I recommend it. It's a terrible movie with friends, with beers, MST3K, whatever the hell that show is. You know, that style, you'll love it. You'll have a great time. I recommend the movie. Night of the Lepus. Night of the Lepus. Killer bodies, man. What else do I need to say? Go see it. Thank you. Long time, no talk, Patrick. This is Metal Mikey. Metal Mikey. And first off, I want to wish you and Brad a belated happy holiday season. A belated Hey, thank look you. at it this way. I'm at least early for Valentine's Day. So oh, oh. you could have an early happy Valentine's Day on my part. There you go. Ta-da. But also I'm glad to hear that you did have a miraculous voice recovery in time for your choral performance. Yeah, yeah, I felt bad for you. You did some kind of rough with the laryngitis. I so I hope now, at the very least, you are feeling a bajillion times better. And holy crap, two. my day was just like a uh, scream queens with a Z marathon because I listened to episodes 20, 21, and 22 all in one sitting. Awesome. That is dedication. Of course, a lot of my notes are just really rambling-ass shit. <laughs> Because, first off, I will say, I would probably be stuck ogling the Lesbo Twin Velmas on the subway you were talking about. Because, you know what? I am right up there with Brian Werner, a.k.a. Marilyn Manson. Velma was one of my early cartoon crushes. And if I saw people that look like Velma, I'm just going to be staring at them. And I'm just like, oh, you're kind of not quite feminine, but there's something really attractive about you. And Peter's hair impressions... Now, supposing I did go there, would they actually give you impressions of people's hair on your head? Because if that's the case, then I want early 80s William Cat on my head. That's it. I want that hairstyle on my head. Think of how glorious I'd be with a giant golden perm. (laughs) It it would be 
spectacular. And Red Hook, wow. Ooh, that just sounded hurtful. I yeah. felt bad for you covering that movie. And speaking of that movie's connection, which is angsty chick music, you know what? If you have as many shitty dates as I do, you just get really, really tired of angsty chick stuff, period. Uh-huh. So you know what? Screw angsty chick music. Keep my metal, okay? I'm sick of a metal until yeah, yeah. that time. Okay, good for you. Good for you. You know what's for you. And I wanted to commend your you know work myself. on Death Hill House, both the story and the reading. <laughs> and the mo- most of this is about the feedback stuff, and that two of this is stuff you fed back to me about certain horror screenings and having a group theater mentality there. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, you got me there. Some horror movies, they just play better with a crowd than they do you're just watching your, it yourself at home. I think I had that experience with, oh, one I saw at one Horror Hound weekend. It was Dance of the Dead. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate the movie, but watching it with a crowd at that time, it was a blast. But watching oh, yeah, it yeah, by yeah. myself at home, I'm like, oh, imagine. this is good, but it just doesn't really have the kick that it had with the group. I still liked it. And, uh, you know, I feel bad. I don't get $5 because I cannot say I saw Troll 2 in its original theatrical run. Oh, no, nay, nay, sorry. Can I at least get $2 if I said I rented it when it first came on a VHS? No. I mean, without even knowing of its reputation, I just rented it blindly from no. the store. Right around the time it came out. No. No? Oh, okay. Well, I tried. Yeah. And finally, I got to respectfully disagree with you and Zombart about one movie, and that is 1980's William Lustig's Maniac. I saw it for the first time last year. I still insist that it is probably one of the most effective horror movies I've seen. There is just something very uneasy and unsettling about it that I was just like, wow, this is a movie I actually feel really creeped out by, and I can't really say that a lot about horror films. A lot of it's just kind of predictable, and I just kind of watch and laugh, and I'm just like, oh, that was awesome. This one, I'm just like, oh, I feel all kinds of dirty and need a shower. Mm, and, uh... What's going to happen later on today when I actually go out? It's some maniac. Haha, <laughs> get it, maniac. Actually going to stalk out and kill me and cut off my scalp. But then again, I'm not a very attractive woman. So I don't think that's going to work. But anyways, Patrick well, and we'll Brad, about that. since he contributed quite well to some of the episode's work, we'll take it easy, and I will talk to you again soon. Peace I'm out, so. Patrick. Bye. Bye. Mikey. Excellent call. Thank you for calling in. As always, all right, there's so much to cover. Yeah, I'm glad I got my voice back, too. I did sound pretty rough, because normally when I lose my voice, I get what I like to call my phone sex Maxine voice that just sounds like I should be on a 1-900 number. And they're, like, really smoky, very Demi Moore. This went past Demi Moore right to, I don't know, behind the dumpster crackhead Whitney Houston. And... No, you do not. You would not have been ogling the twin Velmas. When I said that they looked like Velma, that was a compliment. They were like Velma, but like hard edge, mean, put through the ringer, angular, gonna bite your face off, twin lesbian Velmas. If you want to ogle that, go right ahead. I don't think you would have survived because I had a feeling like those alien teeth would just come out of their mouths like, and your face would be gone. Because they had a chip on their shoulder before anything happened. With them. Angsty chick music. Uh, you know what? I like angsty chick music when it's done well. I mean, that first Alanis Morissette album, I still love it. It's like a scream from start to finish. But, you know, it, it's, 
If you're releasing something in 2010, don't make it sound like 1996. Like, 1996 B-Sides, no less. Just don't. Just don't do it. You know what? Red Hook is now showing up on Showtime. It was playing last night. And I said, ah, even more distribution. Other people are going to be infected by this. Some young horror fan is going to be the first horror movie they see and be like, this is my favorite. And 20 years from now, they'll be like, oh, my God, Red Hook, yay. And we weren't buying Red Hook figurines, action figures at conventions, and it'll just be terrible. Terrible. Thank you. Thank you for having a marathon of me. That's a lot of me to take. I'm glad you enjoyed Death Hill House. But you know what? I really wish I was able to scan in the the colored pencil drawings that I had done for it because it just adds a whole new layer of it. You look at it and you go like, oh my god, this child was weird and gay. Because <laughs> Particularly when the girl's being attacked by the toilet, like I just drew the bathroom and all these things flying around, you know, I don't, it's like nail polish and false eyelashes and just, just ridiculous, ridiculous manicure sets. Come on. How did anybody not know? Let me tell you something. Renting Troll 2 gets you nothing because I actually remember Troll 2 being out in the theater. I remember playing it in the next town over at the Franklin Square Quad. Home of the Crush Groove Riots, for those of you who are old enough to remember that. That was national news for a while. Um, yeah, and it was there for like two minutes. So some people actually did see it in the movie theater. God help them. God help them. They're probably going to Peter's Hair Impressions right now. You know what? Please don't go to Peter's Hair Impressions and get the William Cat hairdo. Because I said initially uh, someone's going to drop a bucket on your head. But then when you, when you said, you know, you were, you were talking about Maniac... You were talking about you're afraid about going out tonight and getting scalped. I'm like, if you go out with a William Cat do, you are going to get scalped. Because people are going to be like, that hair is awesome. I need to have it for my own self. So don't do it, is what I have to say. Um, and as for your opinion of Maniac, I have to say, I have not seen it since I was in high school. So I have not seen it as a mature, horror-watching connoisseur. So maybe it deserves a rewatch. I'll be happy to do that. I'm putting it on my list. I'm not going to do it anytime soon because it's one of those films I know is going to be gritty and unpleasant, so I'm not in a real hurry to see it, but I'll at least be open to it. Thanks to you, Metal Mikey. Um, is that everything? Because that was a lot of shit. Not shit. A, a, lot, a lot of food for discussion. But I believe I have eaten my fill. Num, 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 num. Ew, I just num numbed Metal Mikey. That's awkward. Okay, next call. Hey, Patrick, it's Zombart calling. Uh, just taking the dog for a walk and uh, enjoying my New Year's resolutions. It's been a good year so far. I mean, it's still the first week. But I have started on my new novel, and I've exercised twice today, and I only had a six-inch subway at lunch. Ah, wow. I hate January. It always starts out like this, and before you know it, it's back to, you know, playing video games and eating White Castle. Anywho, um, I wanted to talk today about a movie I just watched. It's an oldie. It's from 93, I believe. And it is called Matinee. Um, this uh, is an old John Goodman movie. And it's again. basically, I had never seen it before. I had heard about it. I'm sure lots of people grew up with it, but I just never seemed to catch it. We never crossed paths. Um, uh, yeah, it, remember it. it showed up on Netflix, and I was like, oh, well, I can finally watch it. Um, I had heard that Sorry. it was all about William Castle, and for some reason I had thought it was a documentary about William Castle, kind of. No, no. Um, and it, it really, uh, it really wasn't. It kind of is a, uh, sorry, someone just 
give me a weird look as I'm walking the dog at 11 o'clock at night. Um, it, well, it Spit it out. Got a guy who's kind of like William Castle in it. He, he is making a movie with all crazy, you know, gimmicks in the seats and everything, mm-hmm. uh, like William Castle did. But it's not really about him at all. He's like no. the background character. It's like him doing his stuff is kind of like, oh, this is going on, while the whole thing is kind of about some kids, some teenagers that are in love with each other, um, some cool chick who is, like, this is, it takes place back during the Cuban Missile Crisis, so it's like the cool chick that is all anti-establishment and saying, no, we don't need to duck and cover, it doesn't work, kind of thing, and I don't know, and there's lots of, kind of pointless bullshit in there. Because, you know, I just wanted to see the William Castle stuff. I wanted to see uh, Tingler-type things. And I guess they made this movie called Mance, which was kind of funny when they actually showed close to the movie where a guy turns into an ant. And uh, that's about all that was good in it. I mean, John Goodman was good, but it wasn't about him. It kind of pissed me off. Um, I know lots of people are saying, oh, this is an old childhood favorite. Um, I, I don't know if you're included in the, the love bunch with that. It no, was not. definitely, well, it had a very Gremlins-type feel to it mm. without being, like, cool gremlin Without being entertaining in the slightest, um, yes, uh-huh. Hold on, the dog's chasing something. What is it, boy? What is it? You catch something? Go for the throat, Who cares? <laughs> um... <laughs> I just realized this is going to be the longest call ever because I've gotten distracted like 50 times. I know you're not, groaning not already. Not even close. I know you already said not it hardly is. Three minutes. You no. always say it hardly is. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to know what you thought of Matinee. And is there actually, like, a movie out there about William Castle, like a documentary about his wife or, you know, kind of a, the Ed Wood treatment? What? Because I want to see it. Because okay. I care more about him than I do about kids in love stuck in a bomb shelter. Um, well, that's it. I will talk to you later. Bye. This is your longest call ever? Are you high? Are you high on dog feces fumes? By the way, thank you for calling in so we can listen to your dog piddle in the background. That was just an added touch of realism that I appreciated. Not at all. Yeah, I saw a matinee, I it when it came out on VHS back in the day. I was excited for it. I thought it was going to be great, and I sat through the whole movie like... <gasps> Uh, I was never under the illusion that it was about William Castle, so I'm sorry you were deluded. Um, But I don't remember a damn thing about it. Except the balcony collapsing and being really bored. And I'm really embarrassed to say this, that one of the reasons I was really wanted to see it was because it had Becca from Life Goes On in it. Because I really liked her at the time, but that was before she grew up to be an obnoxious twat and everything. And, you know, and I, I wanted to be her corky. Shut up! And yes, there is a documentary about William Castle. Um, I'm going to pretend that I was, I was smart. I could pretend that I was smart and I knew what it was on my own. But no, if you actually paid attention to other people besides yourself on this show, Zombart, you would know that Vaughn from Motion Picture Massacre called in a while back after I reviewed Straight Jacket to talk about William Castle. And he mentioned a documentary, which is called Spine Tangler. I'm not sure if it's uh, available separately, but I know it's included in the William Castle DVD pack thing. But um, there you go. I'm sure it's out there for watch somewhere.
Now you better poop up that scoop. Poop up that scoop. Yes, fine. Poop up that scoop and get your ass home before you freeze to death. Next call. So two hills later, I decided that my review for um, matinee kind of sucked. It was a boring phone call. I'm sorry I did it. I should have thought it through. It's just bad. Most like most of Joel Dante's movies. Uh, Oh. Ever since that homecoming zombie thing, I've been like, oh, Joel Dante. Matinee was done before it. Anyway, enough of that. I want to talk about a good movie. It has nothing to do with horror, but it has to do with being fabulous. I finally saw Connie and Carla. Um, This is one I'm sure you've seen. Apparently, I was still... uh, Gay? I had yet to visit Oz uh, when this movie came out. So I kind of missed the flutter of a fandom around it. But, yeah, Connie and Carla, good movie. Two girls escaping the mob uh, decide to pose as drag queens and start up a little cabaret down in West Hollywood. Uh-huh. And it's hilarious. It's funny. It, it, it stars a girl from my Big Fat Greek Wedding. I think she wrote it, too. So, props to her. This hill is really tall. I'm trying to walking. I need to rest. Uh, and maybe I'll go watch Connie and Carla again. So it was great. I laughed. It was so hey. funny. Everyone should see it. It's essential gay viewing or... How is this gay viewing? Uh, gay, gay friendly viewing, or anyone who's ever wanted to be a cabaret, or dresses up, or, you know, has been on that stage singing Time Warp, and you realize no one's laughing with you at all, laughing at you. I've been all of those things. Are you so, identifying much? Yeah, there, there it is. Uh, and I didn't say Teetles last time, so I had to say Teetles. Teetles. <sighs> Come on, bitch. I want to go home. What? what? <laughs> oh God, I'm okay, you realize you just went completely to crazy town in the last ten seconds of that call. What the fuck just happened? Hurry up, bitch! I want to go home. Lord, I don't know how many times I've said that, but I don't think I was walking the dog when I did it. And then, I, did, you, did you just say toodles, hee hee hee, gone with the wind? You know what? I don't care what you said. That was all freaky. Connie and Carla is cute. It's cute. I don't think that's a blip on the gay radar. I mean, it was, I think it was reaching out to us and completely missed because I don't know. I never hear anybody quoting that or doing anything from it or anybody talking about it. And I'm, I'm, I got my finger on the pulse. No, fuck that. I am the pulse. You got that? Um, it's 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 okay. I like it. And, oh, blasphemer, blasphemer. Oh yeah, that stars the girl from my big frat Greek wedding. And and you left out the person that gay people are gonna be interested in. It also stars also stars Muriel. Oh, I'm sorry, Mario. I can't even think of her name right now, but, you know, she's in a million things, but, you know, she was Muriel, I'm sorry, Mario, and that's all that matters to our people. And don't you fuck with Joe Dante. Don't you dare fuck with Joe Dante. I'm not the hugest fan, but you know what? I don't care what anyone else says. I loved Homecoming. I thought it was ballsy as hell. Maybe it wasn't the greatest overall, but it was a really ballsy-ass thing to do. 
So I say clappity, 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 clap. It was saying a lot of stuff that nobody was saying at the time. So I, well, look, you called again. Oh, good. And yes, I know my voice gives you mono. Lick it up, bitch. Lick it up. <gasps> oh, my Lord. Never have I been so insulted by such mixed metaphors. Now, if your voice made me vomit, that might make sense with lick it up, lick it up. But mono? I don't want Why don't we lay around, lay around, do nothing? How dare you? How dare you, sir? That's the last time I've taken a sneak thing with fat, old, naked women in it ever again. Maybe. Hey, Patrick. It's Zombart calling. Oh, come on. Um, I figured I'd send in a, uh, some, some calls, some reviews. I listened to your last episode, and you, you seemed sad that you didn't hear from me. Um, of course, that was the episode before I left my last call, so uh, you probably aren't as sad now. Uh, anyway, um, I thought I'd call in with a quick review of Suck, because I'm sure you're talking about it, because um, we all watched it together from a lovely little party with some uh, friends from online. Good yes. times. Um, I'm still... I'm still positive on it. I, I still liked it upon reflection. Um, it's great. I almost wish we were talking about how it developed, like every once in a while it would go into some weird cheesy musical with the crazy carrot top uh, guy with the big mouth like outside the window and all that. And it's the cheesiness of the movie that I'm remembering most right now. Um, I still think, I think that's going to be my favorite part. And when people ask me, what's suck about I'm going to be like, it's cheesy, you know, vampire Jeez, ballads Roman. with guys floating outside windows and eyeballs appearing and claymation uh, hearses driving around and stuff like, that. like and that. Yeah, the chick is hot. Yeah, she could fit, you know, an entire foot inside her mouth, like ankle and all, because, you know, she's got the Aerosmith mouth going. But, okay. yeah, I still like it. Uh, good job, NOTLP, for, uh, for finding that one for us. And, yeah, loved it. Um, Next movie I want to talk about. I um, finally saw Eraserhead. Okay. Uh, what I was thinking. I know I had to. Uh, David Lynch, uh, experimental movie. Been, it's an old movie. It's been around. Um, I just never got around to see it. I've seen, I'm, I'm, I've seen lots of Lynch stuff. Um, really like Mulholland Drive. I even like Lost Highway. Um, watched this thinking that this was like a collection of shorts and just weirdness and saying, oh, this is supposed to be his most strange movie ever. I didn't know there was actually a movie to it. I thought it was going to be just, you know, just bits, kind of like, oh, here's potpourri of the mind kind of thing. Um, no, there's a story. It's about mind? a guy who has this baby with this chick that he's not crazy about because he prefers the girl across the hall. Uh, the baby is some malformed sperm-looking type of monster thing. And it's kind of about him going insane, trying to take care of it, and the visions in his head and of his life and whether or not he could keep his wife fat and happy if she dances among the fetuses that drop from the ceiling. You know, things like that. You know, good, happy times. And How can yeah, that not make you happy? I almost gave this a recommend because a it bitch. has the creepy baby puppet in it, and you know how I like puppets, and this one had a creepy puppet. Um, it also had some weird... Pee Wee Herman style, like the slug claymation stuff that you used to see in like the old 
pinwheel on Nickelodeon TV show, or it's just kind of like, pinwheel, I can't create something interesting out of clay, so it's just going to be a turd out of clay, and it's going to bounce around like a slinky. You know what I'm talking about. You, you, you've all seen it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. I don't think it was worthy of all the praise and everything I've heard rain down on it over the years. Um, maybe I've just seen too much since then. Um, if this was the start of the weirdness and there was nothing to compare to, I understand maybe, oh, that stands out. But as it is now, eh, I'm, I'm going to leave that one behind. The last movie I want to talk about, oh and this God. one's a special one, because I, I, I watched this one just for you, Patrick. I watched Black Christmas. Yay! Uh, now, we already did a review, so, you know, I decided I'm going to watch the Black Christmas that I prefer. And that is, of course, of the remake. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to let you yell at me for a second. And we're done with that call. Listen, baby, I told you. I said, not just you, I said to everybody, if you come at me with the remake, I will slap you in the face. And then I will slap you in the face again. And I stand by my initial statement, if you're going to talk about that movie, go stick your head in the toilet and flush it three times. Not on my show! Get your own fucking show! I will put up with a lot of crap, but I'm not putting up with that. Now, excuse me, I have a cat to go yell at because he's on top of the dining room table knocking stuff off. I said good day. Uh, Salsa burp. Hi, Patrick. This is Stacy. Hey, Stacy. The same Stacy who, you know, called earlier and or emailed earlier and shared yes. what a horrible child I was in middle school. Yes, my boy. Um, first of all, I want to say... Uh, I right. think you somehow through the podcast spread your voice among because now I have it. Nah. So uh, you're pulling nah, people nah, on the nah, West Coast. Congratulations, sir. And I just wanted to call in real fast and <clears throat> make everybody cringe because that sounded horrible. But I wanted to share my first experience with uh, the movie Black Christmas. I watched it over and over and fucking over again on USA Up All Night when I was in... I think a freshman, or no, I guess I would have been in seventh or eighth grade. Uh-huh. And that same night, it was just me my and then two of my friends, and we scared the shit out of each other. And then the boy across the street, who would go on to become my first boyfriend, uh, picked that time to actually come over and tap and scratch at the door <laughs> until we opened up the door, and then he jumped out and screamed at us. And I may have peed my pants a little. Awesome. Um, yeah, he was going to become my first boyfriend who would then dump me because I was friends with someone he didn't like, and so oh, then I cursed him. his ass. And he broke his arm, and I don't think that's a coincidence, frankly, and I just think uh, Karma. You know, everybody needs to remember that you don't fuck with a, a, a middle school girl or she will have her revenge. Anyway, Patrick, love the show, as you already know. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say. I'm going to go hawk up something green and wiggly, <laughs> and I, uh, I'm going to leave you on that thought. So, Merry Christmas. Gross. Bye. Thank you. You know, I love anything better than a gal who can queef on cue. It's a girl who can cough up something green and wiggly and then wish you Merry Christmas. Stacy, that was awesome. Okay, um, sorry about the mung. Yeah, I watched that spread throughout the chorus. And the craziest thing was uh, at screening that I went to with Mr. Brad last night of the King's Speech. It had the Q&A afterwards, and Colin Firth, the star of it, came out and was like, Hey, Lou, I, I apologize for my voice because I found myself inexplicably hoarse last night. And I'm like, I hit Mr. Brad with my elbow going, I did that. I did that. He's got my viride. 
And he's just like, shut up. I'm trying to listen to the man. I just gloated for the rest of the thing. Um, yeah. See, I'm glad you see the wisdom of loving Black Christmas, unlike other people. And the next boyfriend of yours totally deserved what he got. And you're right. You should not fuck with a middle school girl because, you know, most people know, like most paranormal researchers know, that poltergeists are often linked to, you know, adolescent girls right around that age, that 12, 13 age. You're fucking with a volcano. And there's so many gross images that just popped into my head when I said that, that um, I'm afraid of myself sometimes. Like, and I'm just trying to describe them to you. They all just kind of, in the rush to get to my mouth, they all just kind of, it was like a 12-car pileup in my head, and you know, I, I just couldn't get all those things out of my mouth fast enough. And I just left myself wide open for blatant and relentless innuendo, which means only one thing. And it's time to wrap this puppy up for this week. But before I do, I want to give a huge shout-out to... Scott from over at the Seder Sphere. Uh, he sent me a very nice email this week and um, about how much he liked this show and a link to his show. So I checked out his show, and it's delightfully fun. He's another gay podcaster. He talks about horror movies, but he also talks about um, gaming and, and, and hockey and several other things, including musicals. As a matter of fact, he's got a mystery musical segment of the week. A little contest that he runs. And I was sold. It's a lot of fun. It's really charming. I like to call him a West Coast version of me. And actually he told me when he listened to my show, he's like, wow, that's an East Coast version of me. So we're like total twins, except he likes hockey. But as I said before, I like hockey for the fights. <laughs> so go over and check that out. And by the way, that's Satyr Sphere. And that's Satyr, like the, the mythical creature, S-A-T-Y-R. Uh, because I don't want to make fun of him. Mr. Brad thought it. He's like, oh, Satyr Sphere, like the Passover meal? Like, yes, like the Passover meal, Brad. No, it's not like that. It's like the, the, the little creature, Satyr Sphere. Check it out. And when you're done doing that, why don't you drop me a line here at the Scream Queens Horror Podcast. You know, Queens with a Z where horror gets bent. You can reach me at crew at screamqueens.com. That's Queens with a Z. Or you can call me on the phone at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can friend me on the Xbox, Red Menace NYC. And you can go over to deadlantern.com slash vote to vote for me for best horror podcast. Once again, that's deadlantern.com slash vote. I didn't stand a chance against Dan Savage. These other people, let's mop them up. I love them all, but let's mop these fuckers up. Okay, okay. What are we doing next time? I don't know. We're having a book time soon. We're going to talk about Robert Best book. We're going to talk about the book Damon. I have a whole bunch of movies to talk about. I might be talking about Baby Universe. I might have be losing my voice again. So until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, I don't care if it's bad for my cholesterol. I want another bowl of that delicious chicken on Martin Luther King. Now! Bye! I go hunting for witches. Heads up, cowies some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>